Hey everyone, this is Tony Holbein. You are listening to The Revenue Formula. In today's episode, we're going to talk about sales enablement, how you probably should rename it into revenue enablement instead, how to structure it, where to hang it in the organization, and how to empower to deliver more impact. Enjoy. Oh, it feels now much better suddenly. Start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's been lingering on my mind since the, uh, the offsite? Tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> Ping pong game, playing for the serve. <laughs> I know people won't get the reference, <laughs> but it was still pretty fun. But also, I think what needs to be on the record, um, <laughs> oh no, you and I playing against uh, Andrew and Stim, <laughs> and let's just say Mikkel and Tony are not the most athletic guys. Andrew and Stim here are very <laughs> much very, the athletic very guys, athletic. and I think we won um, twenty to zero, and we're talking like <laughs> twenty games. So this was essentially a best of forty-one. We won the best of 41, <laughs> not a single game loss. <laughs> I think we can end the episode now. Let's thank you, Tony. Andrew, <laughs> Andrew walked away and he's a co-founder. Andrew yeah. walked away and he was basically like, he was he was ready to just jump off a roof somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, that, was, that was over. <laughs> In a one-story building. Yeah. <laughs> uh, couldn't even get that done. Sorry. Oy, oy, oy. So we are going to talk about something around winning today. I oh. guess that's what we always try and deal with, how we can win. We're going to talk about sales enablement. The, you called it the unloved ch yeah, <laughs> child. It's the, it's, the, it's the forgotten ugly child in the corner of a sales yeah. room. <laughs> and I thought, uh, so I discovered something last week. It was called Bravado. And for those of you who don't know it, it's an anonymous sales community. So you can already imagine now that the conversation is very blunt, very direct but it's also so you get the incentives there's an incentive scheme in place to engage and you can get points for engagement and then you can buy something in the bravado store yeah so that's that's pretty fun i obviously you know there wasn't a choice to pick your role being marketing so i took whatever i snuck my way in there <laughs> please don't kick me out um and the first thing i did was search for marketing and that was a mistake i should not have done that they did not like marketing at all uh but then i looked at sales enablement and i found this thing that i just i just wanted to give you some of the the highlights here. Uh, there's profanities in here. I'm gonna try and just, you know, edit it, it a bit down. <laughs> edit <laughs> it a bit down. But the title is basically "Sales Enablement Sucks" and they are a bunch of fake teachers. So that's already gold. And then it's, you know, first paragraph is something like, "Hey, I feel like sales enablement doesn't know what they are talking about 95% of the time. They either have never sold, have little to no experience in sales, or they sold for six months." five years ago, yet they advise on all aspects of sales and are supposed to create an onboarding plan for us. <laughs> and then it goes on to a very specific thing. And then it's like, what annoys me is that on top of offering zero value, they are the ones annoyed when I am the one doing all the busy work instead of focusing on what really matters. Lastly, they don't do anything but talk about adding decks and saying hi to new hires. They are even worse than marketing. Wow. wow. Even worse than <laughs> wow. marketing. And then there's a poll, is enablement effing useless <laughs> and 61% that there's like 300 votes on this thing 61% said yes 22% no and 17% other <laughs> so that's that's the tee up for today's episode I mean I don't think I don't think we need to kind of spend the rest here now I mean I think the you know the, the conclusions are done yeah it's, you know sales <laughs> yeah. enablement is fucking useless that is correct 61% of the time yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. So, no. Well, we're going to talk about how do you make it use, use 
I was going to say useless, useful, yeah. uh, and actually provide value. So what I thought we should do first is just talk a bit about, hey, you know, what is it, you know, what's the, actually the big deal here? What's the problem? What should it look like? Uh, how do we set this team up for success? Yeah. Uh, because it is a thing that can have a material impact. Yeah. Um, so generally speaking, you start thinking about sales enablement once you listen to your sales reps and are like, why is she pitching that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on in my sales team? And the, the larger story, obviously, is like um, it's about sales efficiency, right? So you want to basically make sure that uh, people are trained on uh, the best uh, practices for your company for your company in terms of how to pitch obviously which deck to use is also in there uh, which questions to ask which objections to be prepared for and you know what uh, competitors to have in mind and so forth there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen and needs to kind of land in someone's brain uh, and the problem is when you um, have 10 aes in a, in a sales manager um, you're basically going to uh, run into this issue of the sales manager being really busy closing all the deals uh, versus uh, onboarding and teaching and doing all of that stuff with mm. your sales reps. And, you know, if you don't do that, then you end up in this, everyone is doing their own thing and you're wondering why conversion rates are so low and why they're dropping and that's ah, this new rep. It's probably because he's new. Let's fire him again, right? You kind of, you run into this, very uh, surface level root cause analysis and trying to understand what's wrong in your sales team. Yeah. Um, and uh, sales enablement is one way to deal with that. Now, could the uh, VP of sales or director of sales or someone else also help out with it yet? Uh, yes. Let's get into some of those different nuances in uh, maybe a little bit. Uh, but that generally speaking, that's it. And you could say that, you know, some of the metrics you want to attach sales enablement to or, you know, where they should be helping with you know, ramp time for reps, mm. um, successful completion of ramp of reps. Yeah. Right. So not just getting out faster, but more getting actually through it. Then you have something that's around uh, retaining reps and obviously uh, an ongoing training slash coaching. Those are two different things, you know, we need to be careful with, but an ongoing training slash coaching impact for your uh, reps in order to either increase or improve. Uh, your conversion rates, your mm. ACVs, your average sales, uh, your uh, and your sales cycles, right? Yeah, that's basically so. Basically, every every metric around your usually your account executives actually. Yeah, yeah, like break it all the way down is usually around the account executives. Having sales enablement for SDRs always is almost a luxury, but let's dive into this just in a little bit, right? Yeah. So this is usually the remit of sales enablement. We should hop into the the meat here. Yes. And I, I think one of the, the core things we should address is why even care about sales enablement. There was a lot of contention in this bravado piece I just you know read aloud. Yeah. But I think getting to the heart of why does it even exist, why does it matter, is the first step. Yeah. So, and I think it's uh, topical also right now, which really is efficient growth, yeah. right? We're kind of talking about this a lot. Um, so spend some money and that, no. Yes, <laughs> spend all the money that you have. Uh, no, but uh, the, the idea is obviously, and we've seen this in the stats, so um, basically every single opportunity generating f channel is down yeah. or is having challenges. Yeah. Um, you only get so many opportunities from that. You've probably scaled down on some of the very expensive channels to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you're basically left with fewer opportunities, Yeah. period. Um, 
And now one question you could be discussing in your management team is, okay, do we want to take some of that money that we're saving on the opportunity generation and maybe fund a um, fund a sales enablement person from that? <clears throat> because basically now the, the uh, growth lever is not just more opportunities. Now the growth lever could be higher ACV, higher conversion rate or faster cycle times, right? Uh, so at the end of the day, that is why that should be a conversation right now. Mm. There's also lots of uh, topics on LinkedIn popping up around sales enablement, how important it is and so forth. And I, I think that's the backdrop of that thing, yeah. right? Um, I know myself have been on surprisingly many calls, people asking about sales enablement. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and and I think what, what is really important first is defining it clearly. Uh, there's lots of confusion out there because it is kind of weird. Yeah, yeah <laughs> actually, yeah. it hangs between different chairs, and you know, it's a bit, a bit unclear. Um, and and kind of jumping into that, maybe to be yeah, honest. no, but it's like you're releasing a new product feature, whatever. Product marketing does some work, introduces a new deck, trains the sales team on the deck, but then there's also sales enablement doing the same, and you know, so it kind of it can be a bit weird for sure. Yeah. So let's start out. So number one responsibility is around uh, onboarding of new reps. Yeah. Um. And this is almost where it goes into the first uh, issue here. It actually shouldn't just be reps, sales reps, mm. uh, in terms of AEs. It should be SDRs. But why isn't it CSMs as well? Yeah. Right? Instead of just making it a sales enablement piece, it should be a revenue piece, right? Revenue enablement should be kind of the, the main point. Um, and you have the classic uh, onboarding in terms of training and teaching mm. element here. And uh, this is where you connect this to AE uh, ramp length and success of getting out of ramp, right? Um, then you have an ongoing flavor to it uh, around the training, uh, ongoing product training, ongoing whatever competitor training, which is uh, simply necessary due to the fact that your product is evolving, the market is evolving, people need to stay uh, close to what's going on, yeah. right? And, and then there's something like that is necessary. Those are even pieces where um, I've heard a lot of reps basically say like, "Hey, this this makes me a little bit happier in my role." Yeah, because it's um, uh, there is a bit of an uh, ongoing development happening, yeah. right? And sure, it's not in anything that you might be interested. In. It's still kind of very professional, very much on your job, but kind of that that helps to get better. And 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 mastery is is, is a clear skill that people that people are uh, deriving joy from. Yeah, and then you can mix it also. And it's kind of the same bucket for me, methodology, right? So let's just say either you are rolling out uh, Medic or MedPick or, you know, some of those concepts, or you have done it. So to reinforce that that is being lived and breathed and so forth, right? So, uh, and this is actually where we're starting to get into like, but wait a minute, isn't that like a sales manager, sales, uh, sales director kind of responsibility? And it is, it is. Um, but, you know, those. this is one of the areas that I would say it's shared, right? Mm. Then going to the next area, which is coaching. And that is that is a tricky one. Um, this is also where some of the bravado yeah. from bravado comes from. Yeah. Because this is really about um, you know, someone that needs to be very, very knowledgeable in this trade for that company, for that product, yeah. to then go in and give direct coaching to a person. We're gonna talk about in which specific setup that can work out. Yeah. Um, generally speaking, for my organizations, I've already said coaching is for the sales managers. Yeah. 
Um, they're just not exempt from that, right? Because suddenly it's like, well, you know, sales enablement produces shit reps. I'm not responsible, lower my yeah, target. Yeah. No, this is still something that the sales manager um, is, is responsible for and should do. Um, in some really cool setups, you can give that to someone sitting in sales enablement. We're going to talk about this in a second. And then the last piece is tooling process and where to click and what to do and how to understand the whole thing. Yeah. Um, usually it's forgotten and then you end up with, you know, bad data. Yeah. Um, or tool that's not being used. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and basically kind of having proper onboarding. And sure, if someone has been in Salesforce once and then is in Salesforce again, sure, that's, that's, you know, doable. But think about, you know, uh, Salesoft outreach for the SDRs. That's very complicated. Mm. And lots of new folks joining haven't dealt with those tools before. Think about all of those data tools that you might have, Zoom, Cognizant, and so forth, right? There's a lot of that stuff that needs to be taught and understood yeah. um, where, um, where where something like this comes in. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I think you can probably find a ton of you know, great articles, videos, talking about specifically the responsibilities, how to structure them, and all that stuff. But for that to be successful, I think it also would be very interesting to talk about who are the folks yeah. that should drive those initiatives and responsibilities. Yeah. So I think that um, if you have the luxury to specialize your sales enablement team, mm. right? Because this is not a one person anymore. This is yeah. not signed to be a team. Then, then the way to go about it is for the uh, onboarding and ongoing training on uh, product and on the sales methodology and, and, and maybe on the competitive set. I think this could be a, um, this could be a former... Uh, sales manager or something like that, or someone that you hire into this role that has that specific skill set, right? And this is like a uh, a bit of a, a teaching piece, like adult learning piece. <laughs> yeah, is that not how you say? Yeah, that? It just sound. Yeah, no, no, go. Okay, I'm a teenager. No, in my I, mind. I, I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and and then that person will probably also be expected to. Uh, create a framework around it, yeah. right? Not just this, oh, we came up with this onboarding schedule yeah. uh, two years ago. It's like, no, actually, no, let's let's figure out what that should be. How can we iterate that? You know, do some, uh, you know, six, nine months later, uh, hey, you know, do you still know these things? You know, what yeah. was good? What was bad? Do we need to do a refresher, right? There should be some ongoing optimization around this. Um, and I think that, that very much uh, nicely sits with, again, Someone with a commercial, classical commercial background, yeah, uh, that um, decides not to move into a manager role uh, or wants to go deeper in that speciality, but basically kind of transitions to uh, to that teaching side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you have the tooling stuff. This usually ends up being a part time job of revenue operations. Um, that can also be uh, put into the team that does the onboarding and the ongoing training. Usually the material for that and the, um, so not necessarily delivery, but the material of it uh, will need to be owned and produced by revenue operations, right? And and this is then also where either RevOps does it themselves or they have someone specialized in their team to do it, um, et cetera, et cetera, right? Kind of, there are kind of different ways to go about it, but that's usually one piece. The, yeah. The item that obviously always hangs, uh, stands out is, <laughs> no, I'm the... I'm the toddler. Uh, toddler. Um, <laughs> the the item that usually stands out is coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Because who should be who 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 earned the right to, to do the coaching? Yeah, yeah. 
right? It's also respecting and so forth. Um, and um, and this is this is where I heard a really cool story about Gartner, the the analyst firm. Yeah, it's really also just a big sales organization, by the way. They have yeah. few few analysts, and yeah. then a lot of salespeople. Um, and um, what uh, what they're actually doing, and I'm not sure if they're still doing it like this, but you sometimes have this um, this really good sales rep. Uh, really good on uh, CVIs, you know, all, all of these, all of those different metrics, yeah. fantastic person, uh, really good performer. Then you usually have a conversation, okay, do you want to make this person a manager? Yeah. Um, or want to keep him or her in this role? Um, and again, right, the, the the best sales rep usually is not the best manager, kind of that's proven by now. Mm. Yeah. Um, but here's basically, and, and the reason for that is, you know, being good at sales doesn't mean you're good at management or leadership, period. Um, and here now is a, a potential alternative career path for that person to go into sales enablement. So what happens next is, um, well, in my budget for a sales manager, I have that comp package because that's market. That's what we need to do. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you want to go from AE to manager, I even multiple times had to have a conversation about I'm gonna earn less. Why would I do that? Yeah, yeah. Right. And then you'd be like, well, you know, it's you get a bit higher base, you have less chances of, you know, hitting two hundred percent of your target because of the team and so yeah, forth. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, this is a career path, blah, right? Yeah. And and people usually buy it and then they go for it. Also it carries this prestige with it. Um, but on the sales enablement side, uh, first of all, you don't have a competitive package at all. No. <laughs> I was gonna say it's gonna be. It's usually a terrible package. Yeah. Um. Usually doesn't carry any prestige, as the sixty-one percent of the bravado folks yeah. are saying. Um, and which then leads to something that I call negative selection. So who goes for that role? Yeah. It's reps that aren't successful in the first place. Yeah. You know. And then they are in there, and guess what? They're failing because they're saying something, and everyone's like, you're a fucking loser. Why should I listen to but you? But it's also a trust thing. Like, why would you trust someone who is doing a you know worse job than yourself to then train you? Yeah. You know. Yes. So what is Gartner doing? I kind of left this hanging here. Um, what Gartner is actually doing, they are um, offering their best sales reps to become uh, a coach for a year. And they're basically paying them the OT that they hit last year. Wow. So as <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So as a like that's just the base now. So there are probably, <laughs> probably some there are probably some like, you know, bells and whistles attached to that comp plan. Yeah, yeah. But they're basically creating a very clear path uh, for you to have the same outcome financially in your sales enablement role as you had, you know, uh, as as a sales rep. And obviously, if you hit like two hundred percent to target, then you know maybe they're not going to match that. Yeah, yeah. But they're going to make it um, so it's uh, financially interesting. Yeah, yeah. There's probably less risk. There's also less upside. You know, this this typical spiel, right? Um, and uh, again, not everyone can just you know, oh, you know, now this year I'm going to do coaching. There, yeah. There's obviously a little bit of a filtering. And are you interested in the sales and coaching area actually, or is it is it just uh, you know what is it about and so forth, right? Yeah. But basically now um, you're increasing the pool of people that are interested in this by a lot because of the compensation. Um, and um, the people that are then jumping into this uh, probably had a higher compensation uh, and you know now this is you know works out for them. Mm. And you have some immediate trust there from the other side, right? Yeah. In terms of, okay, this guy knows what, or she knows what she is doing. 
So let me let me you know listen to that advice, right? But it's also kind of cool because it will open up the opportunity for other AEs to actually reach out to that person. I, I I know that AEs will work a lot together, but they're still, you know, I have my deals that I need to close, so now I need to do that. I don't have time for you. Yeah. And if you're in sales enablement, I, I bet that more people will reach out knowing that this was a stellar performer last year and I need to close this deal and have these challenges. Maybe it's a good idea to yeah. get some input. But but think about it like this, right? This For an AE to get help, uh, because of the competitive setup of those comp plans, because of this clear deal ownership thing, uh, because of, and by the way, this is, you know, we made up this word and I heard it a couple of other times because of the concept of no double bubble in, <laughs> in, in, in I know I heard it from somewhere else as well, uh, in compensation. So where there's like, there can only be one, $1 paid for $1 earned, so to yeah. speak, not, not multiple times. There's like, well, if someone wants to help you on your deal, you usually need to, depending on the help, you need to kind of give some percentage up, right? Yeah, yeah. So what happens? It doesn't happen. Yeah. And the only person helping you is your manager. And that manager probably is busy with all the other stuff going on. So now you introduce that sales element person. Suddenly it becomes like a awesome yeah. free resource. Yeah. Do I need to do my, sh my uh, do I need to share my deal with that person? Yeah. No. I'll take it all. No. Yeah, it's yeah. like he's just helping me out. Um. So you get a lot of more pull. Yeah, uh, from the team with this, right? Um, and uh, uh, and and obviously, kind of this this role will end up like being the likelihood of that role being more successful in that case is just so much higher. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I think that makes total sense. Um, again, I believe that uh, a manager should still own part of the coaching. Shouldn't just be like, hey, you know, that's not part of what I do. Yeah. Especially when it comes around forecasting and pipeline management and some of these things, it's um. Uh, the manager owns the responsibility for this. Yeah. Um, but in this case, you're basically kind of having a, um, you know, a, a a sales enablement function on steroids, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But again, you will have someone running around doing that stuff that's being paid two hundred two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, yeah. right? <laughs> so you need to be, and and that will suddenly sit in your sales enablement, you know, budget line item, <laughs> and you need to prepare for that number. You know? yeah, Not, yeah. I don't think many are. You know? No, no. But I think it also then depends on the size of the organization. Yeah, there's there's a couple of factors to consider, but I just I can see very clearly how powerful it becomes that it's not this pseudo role of someone saying, Yeah, you need to train them on tools. And then you also have this coaching thing on the side. Good luck with that. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's gonna be really difficult, I think, to be successful if you can't establish the trust. And I think immediately you're gonna be faced with, well, you had you have zero skin in the game, you have zero track record. Why should I listen to you? Yeah, you know, good luck closing that deal. No, I know, but it's. I mean, um, that goes for every single support role around sales, right? Oh, you're yeah, yeah, skin yeah. in the game. Yeah, um, and um, and it's obviously sometimes a little bit of a of a balance around that. But uh, I mean, obviously the, for example, this onboarding process. There's a lot of just admin work that needs to happen mm. around it, right? And by the way, we didn't even touch on creating sales material. Yeah. Um, you know, the pricing deck, the pitch deck, and all of these different things that, um, uh, where does that sit, by yeah, the way, yeah. right? So just kind of tap on that real quick. Um, so I believe things like uh, bottom funnel content, um, like, um, you know, white paper or a customer case study or something like that, I think that ble uh, should be staying in pro marketing mm. um, or wherever in marketing. I'm not quite sure what your opinion on this is. Um, some of the pieces like a sales deck, 
um, and uh, maybe the pricing deck and so forth. I think uh, you can have a very aggressive product marketing team that also, you know, says they need to own it. Yeah. Um, if you have a sales enablement function that doesn't sit under marketing but sits under, you know, somewhere else. Yeah. I think those pieces could and should be owned by them. Actually, they will not do it in a vacuum. They will do it in collaboration with the reps and with marketing, obviously, mm. to make sure the the message fits and stuff. Um, but uh, but I would actually kind of keep it there. And the reason why is there's uh, lots of maintenance around it that yeah. you wouldn't believe yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that needs to happen around this thing that, uh, you know, product marketing real quick is going to be like, okay, pff, can someone else maybe own this? <laughs> uh, I mean, I had conversations around 20 different versions of the pricing deck. Yeah, yeah, we had, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, no, now it's all coming back to me. <laughs> yes. um, and, and then this is just the, the you know, the, 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 t the tip of the iceberg, uh, so to speak, right? I mean, this is almost an entirely different episode. It depends on a million things. Yeah. Do you have a strong CMO? If you have a strong CMO, then I can see a case where you give up some of the sales enable material because they can power, they can make sure that the story that should be told is actually landing in those yeah. decks, right? What, what I'm learning from doing it myself here right now is the purpose of a website and the messaging there and the purpose of a sales deck, they they are they need to be connected but yeah. they're different purposes yeah, right? yeah totally so and that's why the angle sometimes also is a little bit different around yeah, it, yeah. let's not go too much into that so um, so we we talked a bit about now you know why you should care what is the responsibility and who are the right folks to basically run it i think there was um, you know a pretty interesting piece on using a top sales rep mm -hmm. but where should this function sit that's kind of what we're sliding into now and you yeah. kind of said hey sometimes it might be in marketing sometimes it might be elsewhere yeah um i mean can we give a silver bullet is that even possible yes everything wow. what we say is a silver bullet oh. all of this works all of that <laughs> solves all of your problem all the time so there is an increasing uh voice out there that is saying it could be revenue operations yeah yeah, I'm gonna pause there now. The 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 reason is almost where else are you gonna hang it? Yeah. Um, and it's a little bit like having uh revenue ops roll into the VP of sales. It's like that's a big no no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You shouldn't be doing that. Um, and here's the same kind of thing. It's like, well, once you kind of strike the sales out of the equation and you call it revenue enablement, yeah, then there's only so many people this can end up with. Yeah. Right. Um and, and revenue operations is probably one of those. Um, I think um, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend this to roll directly to a CRO. I think it could hang under uh, product marketing, which more and more tries to label themselves also as um, kind of a GTM hub, right? Yeah. Thinking about the whole GTM, both with what is the messaging on the top end? What can the product actually deliver? Mm. How are we selling this? How are we kind of making sure that this um, value sticks with our customers? So you could hang it there. It depends very heavily on, you know, the person leading that piece, yeah, commercially totally. enabled and or not. Um, but uh, but revenue operations, especially from the, uh, especially on the topics of onboarding, ongoing training, um, and then on tools, that's kind of a no-brainer to hang it under revenue operations. Yeah, I think where it seems breaking-ish is around the coaching side. Yeah, and I think if you do this uh, Gartner approach, um, maybe you want to have those really highly expensive coaches. Maybe you want to have them roll up to the VP of Sales actually. Yeah, uh, it'd be a resource for that person instead of being you know somewhere else. Yeah, 
Um, there could be something around that structure, right? So I don't want to don't want to kind of lock this in too much. But the more traditional pieces, uh, they make a lot of sense to hang under under revenue operations. I believe. I think one one other little uh, nugget that I just wanted to kind of throw in here: if you have a sales enablement team, uh, if they're not the highly paid AE turned coach, yeah, um, if and and if their main medium of of receiving information is gong or you know other versions of that listening to listening to calls try and make one little tweak try and make them uh jump on actual sales calls mm. live you know introduce them yeah um and and uh have them participate in that pitch and not necessarily leading it um but be part of it and very quickly uh because the situation is just different yeah. you just you're just completely you're looking at this just differently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, when you're in it versus you're just you know listening to the radio, um, a lot of more things will pop up in their brain. Like, oh, oh, this is broken. This is broken. This is broken. This is broken. We yeah. kind of you know all of that stuff. Um, so this is a little bit of a tweak on how you can uh, uh, empower the the sales enablement team to get a bit more real yeah. on what's going on, and as a result. This might also be one of the reasons why the sales enablement team is being trusted more by the sales rep because mm. there's some, you know, let's call it skin in the game. Yeah. But there's some, okay, no, no, they got the same reality check I got. Yeah. Um, and uh, now I can trust your output a little bit more because I, I know now mm. we're a little bit closer aligned than you sitting in theory land over yeah. there. Yeah, I think this is the powerful stuff. It, so with this podcast, I could easily just have written up the show notes and said, here, here you go, right? But if I wasn't, here recording with you. Number one, it would actually be a terrible show. So I don't think so. Happen. I think it would be fantastic. Show. <laughs> but also then, you know, those small tweaks we have to our work rhythm, they wouldn't be there, mm. right? And and so, so I think you will just notice things you wouldn't have otherwise noticed that is actually helpful. Yeah. And I think one last thing I would actually say is, I mean, it's kind of common practice that after some underperformance of a rep, you put them on a PIP, you know, mm. performance improvement plan, and in many cases, this is just the heads up, we're going to fire you in two months. <laughs> <laughs> no. Because of legal reason number one, two, and three. Yeah, and yeah. because our HR book kind of says it like that. Uh, so here's a PIP, yeah. performance improvement plan. But, you know, we all know we're not going to really, you know, yeah, improve your performance. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think with good sales enablement, you can actually create a bit of a stronger case for improvement. Yeah. You know, you put someone on a PIP and then you pair it with resources, yeah. right? Then there is now, uh, it's, you know, there's now hours that you need to spend or that sales enablement is available for you yeah. uh, that you can draw on in order to help you get better. Uh, whatever that means, that might be different from your setup and so forth. Um, but I think what's what makes a PIP much more fair is instead of, Okay, you're telling me you're gonna, you know, fire me. Uh, the only thing I can try and, you know, uh, improve here is try and work harder. You know, if that was the problem, sure, that's an easy one. But many times, that's actually not the root cause. The root cause is that they don't know how to do it better. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't give them any help, uh, neither from the manager, because the manager in many cases, is like, yeah, this kind of, you know, wasted time now. I'm gonna spend yeah. my time with my high performing reps instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, is it then you're creating the self-fulfilling prophecy here, right? Having sales enablement and say like, hey, yes, I as a manager will sit down, but I have some other folks that also can sit down with you and get you better. Mm. That is now an actual proposition to try and improve someone instead of, uh, you know, this other approach that we're having here. Okay. 
So just wrapping up, we talked today about um, how everyone hates sales and enablement, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, and marketing. <laughs> how and even even more than marketing. Yeah. Um, uh, and we we went through a couple of different steps on how to see it differently, how to structure it, maybe how to also apply it for the full organization instead yeah. of just sales operation. And I think then we had a couple of like mini tweaks of you know how you could uh, enable sales enablement. Wow, uh, you know in a way uh, where they're automatically getting more impact in the organization and they're more trusted as as an outcome. And then I was just rename it. Yeah. Enablement. yeah, call it. But actually, you know what? Scratch everything else, just rename it, and you probably have solved it. Yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> oh, sales enablement, we need something for the whole organization. Let's just call it revenue enablement. Done. But you know what? It's a fun, uh, maybe a fun outro story I can tell. The degree I took in, uh, in school, in university, it had one name before, 90% men. They changed the name, nothing else, 50-50. Yeah, it's like... Um, Diet Coke, Diet Coke didn't sell well with guys. Yeah, and exactly. then they called it Coke Zero. And Did like, anything oh, else? Oh, let me have it. Let yeah. me have it. <laughs> Coke Zero. <laughs> no, I can exactly. now, I can now finally, you know, order it in a club without people looking at me. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. Boom. Great stuff. So, yeah, if you're uh, listening to the audio version, why not check out YouTube? By the way, yeah, you can actually watch us and watch how I forgot to record the first five minutes of the video. Yeah, and <laughs> so. when when you see it go on. You know, we have a green logo right now, yeah. not a pink one, so that might confuse you, but that was totally on purpose by Nickel today. Yes, everything is on purpose, even excuses and mistakes, all, all of it. There we go. Thank you, Tony. Thanks a bunch, Mikkel. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.